What's going on, coaches? You're tuned in to Keep Your Pads Down, the podcast for those big uglies in the trenches. This is episode number 91. On this first day of February 2021, uh, one day before Groundhog Day, where hopefully that little groundhog won't see his shadow and spring will get here soon and we can get outside and and uh, maybe get a little spring ball in. Some of you guys playing spring seasons, maybe. Uh, hopefully we can get to that soon enough. But also, fellas, hey, this is your first warning that Valentine's Day is is coming up quick. So get it on your minds. Have a game plan. Be sure to take care of your lady this year. After all, if she's a coach's wife or you know a, a coach's girlfriend, she puts up with a lot in the fall. So let's get on the ball and get that Valentine's Day gift taken care of. So uh, see, right now it'd be clutch if if like you know flowers.com or edible arrangements or Sherry's Berries, one of those guys that they sponsor this po- podcast because you know then I could I could I could segue right into a, a dynamite drop in on how those guys you know, got you covered for Valentine's Day, but they don't. So I won't. I will, however, tell you about a brand new sponsor we picked up this week that I'm frankly more excited about than Valentine's Day, if I'm being honest. And that is Our Coaching Network. We are excited to partner with Our Coaching Network, a new football coaching platform connecting coaches from all levels and helping them get better every week. Our Coaching Network has live clinics Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights and we'll have 150-plus hours of high-quality live coaching clinics this year with each week's clinics added to a library that can be referred back to at any time in the future. One of the presenters for last week's clinic was actually Eastern Kentucky defensive line coach and former KYPD guest, Coach Jeremy Hawkins, who talked defensive line play. And if you heard Coach Hawkins on our show here, if you've heard him speak before, or if you follow him on Twitter, then you know he's legit. So that's definitely one that if you're a fan of this podcast, you want to go check out as well. Now, here's the best part about our coaching network. You can get a free month by registering at the link in the show notes of this episode. And if you're a coach looking to learn more football and network within the coaching community, then you got to sign up today. Again, use the link in the show notes. Also, it'll be posted on our Twitter page to get a free month of access to our coaching network and support the companies that support us. Also, if you've been following us on Twitter, then you've noticed the graphics we've created promoting our upcoming guests uh, and episodes, all of which were created using GoEdit Graphics. I've been telling you guys about GoEdit Graphics for the last few weeks, and what GoEdit Graphics does is allow any coach to create custom graphics in minutes by changing the colors, text, and images to make it their own. They offer categories like game day, scoring, player profiles, and communication, to name a few. The platform is easy, it's it's affordable, and no design skills are needed. And I mean no design skills. You can do it, I promise. GoEdit Graphics is a great way to showcase all of your sports, uh, your athletes, and subscriptions are for 12 months and include unlimited graphics. Now, now here's something cool that GoEdit is doing for KYPD listeners. Mention Keep Your Pads Down and receive $25 off your showcase yearly package. And, and here's a, a true, real-life story that's happened this week. Our head coach was presenting at a clinic this past weekend, and he needed a graphic uh, for his presentation, you know, something that displayed our program's core values and standards that he was going to use in his presentation. Well, I got on GoEdit to make a graphic, but couldn't find the right template. No problem. Gave them a call, told them what I needed, and boom, these guys had an awesome-looking template created by the next day that we could use. So, coaches, go check them out on Twitter at GoEditGraphics or visit their website through the link in today's show notes. 
Well, today's episode is one that is very special for me. Uh, so every time I bring on a guest for this podcast, uh, we, I always, you know, send them an introductory email with with some questions on there that allow me to get to know them and you know just some bio questions, some some things like that. Uh, and in that, included in that email, I, I attach my bio as well. And in that bio, I have coaches who influenced me, and and I and I, I talk about those guys a little bit. Well, one of those coaches is the guest on today's episode. Uh, today, I'm talking with legendary Texas high school football coach and head coach of the West Orange Start Mustangs, Coach Cornell Thompson. Coach Thompson has led the Mustangs as both athletic director and head football coach since 2011, and in that time has compiled a record of 119 wins and 18 losses, including four straight state championship appearances, including back-to-back 4A Division II titles in 2015 and 16. Coach T just finished up his 50th year of coaching football in the state of Texas. He started out at Kirbyville High School and made additional stops that included a long stint as an assistant at West Orange Stark, where he was a part of back-to-back state championship teams in 86 and 87, before he headed over to Palestine High School and then moved on to Huntsville High School and then back to West Orange Stark as a defensive coordinator in 2004 before taking over as head coach in 2011. Another interesting stat or side note that many people probably don't know about Coach T, and that really I didn't know until his wife told me as we were getting ready to do this episode. And this just kind of shows you how intertwined West Orange Stark High School and Coach T really are. But uh, Coach worked on a construction crew uh, out of high school and, and actually helped build the parking lot behind the stadium there at what was the time West Orange High School before it came West Orange Stark in 1977. So needless to say, Coach is a Mustang through and through and has literally helped build the foundation of the program there. So I thought that was cool. Uh, anyway, my connection with Coach T is this. He, he was our defensive coordinator in high school uh, when he was there in Huntsville for those two seasons where he coached under his good friend, uh, Coach Mark Foreman, who he'll mention in our episode today. And I've always had a ton of respect and admiration for those two guys. I actually saw Coach Foreman, uh, who was my old head coach, for the first time since I graduated. So that was graduated in 2004. So the first time since I graduated, actually at the end of last season, we were playing in the state championship game. It was a really, really cool moment. We're walking through the tunnel there at at and Stadium. And as we're kind of getting ready to walk out onto the field, there's a, there's a guy standing uh, right out, right beside the tunnel. And he's got a West Orange Start jacket on, and he's grinning from ear to ear. And as I'm, we're getting closer, I'm like, man, I think I know that guy. And as I got closer, I saw it was Coach Foreman who had uh, come over to the uh, to the tunnel so he could so he could say hi to me. And uh, he ended up walking me out of the tunnel as we walked out on the field before the game, and we got to stand there on the sideline and talk and catch up. And it was just a really really cool moment. And so I've always just had a, a, a great respect for my high school coaches, like probably like a lot of you guys, and it just underscores, you know, the importance and the impact of our profession and, and why it matters so much today, more so than, than ever. So uh, anyway, I, I'm thrilled uh, for you to get to hear from Coach Thompson today. Now, Coach T was and, and, and still is an intense, demanding, hard-nosed football coach. And I think many would say that he embodies what an old-school football coach is. But I tell you what, I can say without a doubt, Coach T loves his players, and they in turn love him. And after our conversation today, it will be easy to see why he is not only beloved and respected by his players, but by the other men in this profession as well. Today, Coach T and I talk about the people who have influenced him, where his intensity came from, uh, things he's learned in 50 years of coaching. And then we talk about 
specific things that they do in their program that he believes has allowed them to be so successful. And then finally, we wrap up our conversation by having some fun and maybe showing you a side of Coach T that you won't necessarily see on the practice field or, or, or the sideline of a Friday night football game. So with that being said, let's jump right into my conversation with West Orange Stark Athletic Director and Head Football Coach, Coach Cornell Thompson, on episode number 91 of KYPD. Coach Thompson, I, I, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while now, and I'm so glad we're getting to do this. So first off, thank you so much for making some time to chat with me today. It, it really is an honor. Well, thank you for having me, Ty. It's, it is, it's an honor also, buddy. So I'm glad to hear from you, and thank you very much for, uh, for inviting me. Well, Coach, I'd be lying if I said that there isn't you know, a small part of me, maybe my, my, my 16-, 17-year-old self that's still a little nervous talking to my old coach <laughs> And, uh, you know, but I, I think I'm going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've been there. You've been in a lot of big ball games, so you'll be all right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Coach, if, if any of these guys are listening, uh, from the, are coaching in the state of Texas, then, then no doubt they know about your program there at West Orange Stark and, you know, probably run into you either maybe on an opposing sideline or at a clinic. But, you know, I would imagine that, uh, many out there, myself included, don't know much about how you know your football journey began. So let's let's start there. Why don't you? Well, why don't we start with you telling us, you know, where you grew up, what that was like, and and what made you want to become a, a coach in the first place? Well, uh, first of all, I've always enjoyed being around people. You know, and, uh, uh, I started uh, my coaching career. I grew up in when I grew up in uh, Orange, Texas. Went to West Orange High School. And I started my coaching career after college, after graduating from McNeese State University. And I, I started a little town in Kirbyville, Texas. Uh, and I didn't know once I went to college exactly uh, what I wanted to do, but I knew I enjoyed being around people and, and uh, teaching, uh, coaching, football and baseball. I mean, uh, yeah, football and baseball. And I was a... Uh, graduate assistant with the McNeese State baseball team. After I tore my knee up at McNeese, I ended up playing baseball. I went on a baseball scholarship there. But I tried to play football, and I tore my knee up on the goal line. So there was nothing left but baseball. So he kept me around uh, to help coach that. And once I once I finished uh, my, my uh, undergraduate work, well, I went and got me a little job in Kirbyville, Texas, uh, and we were pretty good there. I, was, I hired in as the uh, secondary coach. Uh, we were 11 and born there a couple of years in a row, and a head baseball coach. And then I moved to Orange, Texas, Stark High School. I coached the defensive ends and a 50 defense there. So, uh, and I've been coaching a 50 defense since 1970. And I stayed there at Stark High School as a head baseball coach and a defensive end coach until we merged in uh, 1977 to come become Stark Stark and West Orange merged become West Orange Stark. So uh, I'd been there uh, 
through that uh, beginning of it at, from uh, 77 West Orange Park to 2000. So I went off and got my first head football job was at Palestine, Texas. Had a little tailback up there named Adrian Peterson. You might have learned about him, heard about him. Had a little tailback there. So we were there one year and got an opportunity, had an opportunity to coach my son there and coach Mark Foreman, who uh, everybody knows Mark and has seen us around clinics over the years, know that we're the best of friends. He went off and got the head job at Kirby, I mean, at Huntsville. I was fixed to retire and left with him to become the defensive coordinator because I was losing my entire staff, my son, and Coach Todd Elliott, my, uh, my offensive coordinator. So he taught me to stay in the coaching. I went to Huntsville for two years with him, and then I got a call to come back in 04 to West Orange Stark. And I'm still there. I was going to retire at 30-something years. This is my 50th year. Coach Dan Ray Hooks, uh, we started together in 77, and we uh, uh, I stayed on after he retired. Never in my wildest dreams that I think that I would uh, – I thought he and I would go. And then he decided he was going to retire with about 48 years. So they hired me as the head coach. And now this is my 50th year at West Orange Stark. And uh, we up in, in the last 10 years, we've had – have made it to the fourth round every year since I've been the head coach there, except for this past year to where we ended up eight and one and got had a little uh, a little taste of the COVID and ended up uh, losing in the second round after losing eight starters off our football team. And I completely, completely refused to give up. So we piecemealed a unit together and went inside to play China spring and come up a little bit short, but, uh, like I say, this has completed my 50th year. I'm in my 51st year because, to me, football season started January the 1st. A lot of people think it starts in August, but us football coaches know well that it starts the first of every year, and that's what we're preparing for at this time. Yeah, Coach, you're exactly right about that. And I do want to back up and, and it got to mention that, uh, you know, those two years in Huntsville are significant for me because that's where our paths crossed. And, and, you know, you mentioned uh, Adrian Peterson. We actually played in both of those years uh, that you were in Huntsville, and he, he definitely uh, made his presence known uh, both of those years, no doubt. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and so looking back on it, when was, was, it, was coaching something you always wanted to do, or was there someone that kind of pointed you in that direction? How did that come about? I didn't realize that I wanted to coach until I started doing my uh, uh, graduate work. Uh, and I was a graduate assistant with a baseball team. I knew I wanted to return to Texas and coach football is what I wanted to coach because McNeese State is where I wanted to play college football coming out of coming out of high school. And uh, I didn't get I didn't get a scholarship. I worked the first semester. And I ended up being offered a scholarship to play at Panola Junior College in Carthage, Texas. And I was a little All-American catcher, free agent with the Cincinnati Reds back then. Of course, I didn't make it. The uh, sliders made, put me into coaching, but I always knew I wanted to coach. And then when I came, when I first got my graduate work, I went back into Texas applying for jobs. And that's how I landed my first 
uh, first coaching job was at uh, in Texas high school coaching was at Kerbinville, Texas. Talk about some people. You know, I know you mentioned Coach Hooks, and I know he's had a, a big impact on you as a, as a person, as a football coach, and, and obviously you mentioned Coach Foreman, who uh, you guys have, have coached together and, and been good friends for a long time, and and he was he was my head coach, like as you mentioned when you were the defense coordinator there in Huntsville. Uh, who are some other people? in your life, along your coaching career, who've had a big influence on you? Well, Steve McCarty had a tremendous influence on me because we merged in 77 with Stark High School, one staff there, and the West Orange High School. He was given a, the uh, job of combining two staffs to keep some, to keep some of us and let some of us go. At that time, I was the head foot baseball coach at Stark High School defensive end coach. Well, he took me completely. He took me completely out of uh, uh, baseball. Maybe the best thing that ever happened to me because he made me his equipment manager, linebacker coach there at West Orange Stark. And really, I've been the only linebacker coach that's ever been at West Orange Stark over the years. But he did me a favor. I was out of uh, baseball. For 17 years, which gave me a greater time to really learn and grow in the sport of football because uh, that's where your bread's buttered in the state of Texas. A lot of guys want to be baseball coaches, this and that, but they actually get their major opportunities through football, and I believe that, and I'll always believe that. So I was given the opportunity to coach uh, baseball again in the 90s at start, at West Orange Start because I got to coach all three of my boys in football and baseball before I uh, before I went to uh, Palestine or Huntsville. I was given that opportunity and got to coach all those all my boys, and they all got to play college uh, baseball to get their uh, education. Had three of them, and uh, then I had a daughter that moved over to West. Was one of our cheerleaders. So Steve McCarty was a tremendous influence on me. Uh, uh, in my coaching career. And at that particular time, when he took me out of baseball, I thought, well, you know, uh, I really was, I really was down, but it was the best thing looking back that ever happened to me and uh, to improve myself as a football coach. Coach, I know anyone who, who knows you or has been coached by you or coached with you would, would definitely agree that you are an intense person. Uh, and that fire burns as hot now, I'm sure, in 2021 as it did back uh, in the, the, the late 60s, early 70s when you were just jumping into this thing. Where did that come from? Was that, you know, was that the way you were raised? Was that a, a something you developed early on? Where did that intensity and that passion come from? You know, I think I got a lot of that from my mother. I lost my mother at an early age, but I saw her play basketball after she was out of high school. And she was one, and she was, uh, when I saw her play basketball, I don't remember exactly how old she was, might have been 30s and 40s, but uh, she was throwing her body on the floor and uh, scrapping for the ball. And I believe I got that from my mother. My daddy never saw me play a ball game, uh, and he worked all his life, but he never saw me play a ball game until I was in college. And uh, uh, I really think I got a lot of that from my mother, and I've always been competitive i don't care what it is because if uh uh just like my wife you know she said miss francis we go bowling we first started dating like i didn't want to go bowling because i wasn't very good at it so 
if I'm not good at it, like golf and bowling and stuff like that, something that I can't really get good at and uh, spend a lot of time and be the best I can be, then I don't I don't mess with it. So I guess my competitive nature there, I got that from my mother at a young age because I've always been like that. Looking back on, on your coaching career up to this point, if you could go back and give your younger self some advice, what would it be? Well, you know, I think that one of the one of the things is my daddy used to get on me about uh, we'd lose and stuff, and I was so hard on myself, and I carried it with me so long. I think you kind of you've got to be kind of like a uh, a cornerback in the NFL. Every play's different. You got you get beat, you got to put it beside you, or you a receiver, you drop a ball or something of that nature, you got to put it beside you because every play is different. And uh, you can't uh, uh, carry on and keep and uh, keep walking around with your lip out over something that happened in the past, you know. And I think that's one thing that I learned to do is to go on and press on and make the be- next play the best play or the next game do better than the next game. Because there's been a lot of games over my 50-year career that uh, I haven't coached very well. And a lot of players say, well, I haven't played very well. But I tell them all the time when we go out on Friday night, you play as good as you can play, and I'll coach as good as I can coach. So, uh, I think it's uh, I think that's that's a, a deal to where, you know, uh, I would never, I cannot stand the thought of being out coached, but I'm gonna try to coach better each and every week in preparation or year to year versus opponent, so on and so forth. You know, not not you're in a great program. I'm gonna tell you now, Ty. I want another shot with y'all. I'd like to play y'all again because I didn't do a great job of coaching, but that had a lot to do. Y'all had a lot to do with that, but I would love to be on the opposite sideline from uh, Pleasant Grove or Carthage or Gilmer, people that I love. I love that competition, and I love to uh, uh, meet that challenge and do the best we possibly can. Coach, let's go ahead and book that for – December, late December, 2021. Go ahead and tell Coach Surratt over at Carthage, and uh, you know that 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 uh, it's going to be an early exit for them next year, and we'll we'll make that well, happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to be in that. I'd love to be in that situation. That's right. Yeah. We well, football for a while. Yeah. So I, I'd love to be there. I guarantee you. Well, Coach, while we're on that, you know, you, you've been blessed to experience a ton of success, you know, over the years. Uh, and, and, you know, talking about, you know, starting out at West Orange Stark, I remember when we were at Huntsville watching, you know, putting in those old, uh, VHS tapes, highlight tapes of, uh, of, of West Orange Stark back in the eighties, you know, with like the, you know, white snake song dubbed over the, over the highlights and watching those guys, those grainy highlights. And then obviously the, 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 uh, success that you've had uh, in the last decade or so, uh, in the second stint at West Orange Stark. You know, looking looking back over your career, when you look back at it, what are some some highlights for you? Well, I, I, Ty, my major highlight I'm gonna tell you now is guys like yourself staying in touch with me, people that I have coached in the past. I'm gonna mention some names from Huntsville High School. Uh, Matthew Pallage is coaching at Baylor right now. I talked to John Solick the other day. I talked to him over the phone now. And staying in contact with ex-players like yourself, and I had a young man that played wide receiver on the 1979 team 
at West Orange Stark came in to see me the other day. So that is that is the highlight of my career is seeing young men like yourself become uh, uh, productive citizens in society and going on beyond the high school level and doing something with your life, family men and stuff. We, you know yourself. We don't make much money, you know, not as a coach, you know. Uh, you spend long hours. I figured it out one time, made about 18 cents an hour, whether I need it or not. But my <laughs> big deal, my big deal is seeing the kids develop and being able to take a young man as a freshman and teaching him and seeing him grow and get his diploma out of high school and helping him get his diploma. Because I guarantee you, our last five or six nose guards at West Orange Star, if it hadn't have been for football, they might have not ever graduated from high school. And I think we've helped them do that. I think that's the highlight of my career. Well, I definitely want to talk about those nose guards uh, a little bit later Mm -hmm. in our conversation. But, you know, first, I kind of want to start talking about some things that you do in your program. You know, we we talked previously uh, leading up to this conversation, and and you mentioned that uh, just in talking about coaching today and and, just different things with with doing different things with your program that you said – you felt like maybe that coaches didn't have the resilience to stick with something, you know, whether it be a scheme or, or, you know, program philosophy, team standards, things like that. So just, just flesh that out a little bit more and talk a little bit about what you mean about that or what you oh, meant about that. Exactly. Exactly. What I mean by that is the fact that I, I see coaches all the time and talking to coaches all the time. They uh, call me and say, we've been running a, 40 defense, we want to go to a 50 defense. Uh, they may be, and it's not necessarily the athletes that they have, the reason they change. They think that uh, a certain offense, you win with people. I believe that. You win with people, getting solid citizens on the field and teaching them and uh, what you believe in. We've been running a 50 defense since 1970, and I ask people all the time, uh, uh, they uh, – uh, ask me all the time, what do you do? What do you do now that you face a spread offense and you play in a 50? And we face everything from run and shoot to wishbone, triple I, slot T, wing T, no backs, you know. What do you do when people uh, come out in them different offense? I said, well, if they spread them, we spread them. What do you do if they tighten it down? We tighten it down. We haven't changed a whole lot in our technique uh, teaching over the years, uh, uh, other than the fact that we have tweaked some little techniques and stuff, but you will see us in for, some form of the of, this, of the fifty defense ninety percent of the time. I think these people who move around, coaches moving around all the time, you know, don't have a lot of confidence in themselves, changing their offense and defense all the time, and trying to find. They think you win with some kind of alignment. You know, we play a 50. I'm not going to try to uh, tell anybody that they're, that they're four-man front or a 40 defense is, uh, uh, is not any good. That's what they believe in. It's 50 is what we believe in. We go into halftime, uh, and if uh, you're not that much better than us uh, and then we got a chance to adjust, we know how to fix it. That's why we run to the 50, the 50 defense now is we know how to adjust and fix it at halftime. And I know a lot of coaches that run the four-man front, that run a, a, say a, a, a even front, they do too. So uh, that's why we do what we do. 
We have a lot of confidence in what we do. Our kids have a lot of confidence in it. I tell them all the time, if I drop dead on the sideline on Friday night, I tell the side, Sam linebacker, call 50 defense, uh, cover two. You know, we used to be an old true three deep team that we call three locks, but we're more of a, we're a, quarter uh, quarter halves team now. So call 50 defense and line up and read your key like you've been taught from day one and play as hard as you can play. And I, you would probably add on that, get you, get your head down, butt in the air, and go to work, because I know that's a, that's <laughs> something I remember from, from back in the, the Huntsville days. Ty, that's the truth. You know, and I preach this all the time. I'm fixed to go speak at a, in Fredericksburg here on all season. But time is the only thing that we have in common with each other. It's how well we use it. You got just as much time as I got. I believe the UIL during the season allows you to uh, uh, eight hours a week, and we use seven fifty nine of it. I assure you, we use every second of it to allow us to to use. So uh, time is all we have in, a com- in common with our opponents, and then we're going to use it to the utmost. So, besides the the, the fifty defense, which again we're going to circle back to that here in a little bit, what are some yeah. other aspects of your program? that would look the same, you know, if I were to walk into the Westhorn Start Fieldhouse tomorrow, some things that I would recognize as some things that we did in Huntsville back in 2002, three, uh, what are some things, what, what are some other things that are still a part of your program that, that are, uh, that, that you're still doing today? Well, Ty, you, the weight program has, has not, our weight program, we've been doing it since 1984. Like we, just like we do it right now. You know, and we follow a lot of uh, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers 70s, workouts of the Pittsburgh Steelers in the 70s, and some of the same stuff, the same stuff we did at uh, at Huntsville, we're doing at West Orange Start. We just got a new weight room, an indoor facility, gym right behind my office there, uh, and it is phenomenal. And you'll, be, you'll see some of the same things going on if you stood there with me tomorrow in the off-season program Tomorrow's upper body day. Today we had legs. We kill the legs today, but tomorrow you will you would see us work upper body. But we open up uh, just about every workout. You remember the running ropes and the frames that we run over in uh, in Huntsville? Oh, You'll yeah, see I us remember. do that. You will see that at warm up. We do a, a, a quite a bit of running. We'll go out and we like to run corners and stuff. But you'll see us do some of the. The same stuff that we've always done because it's worked for us. It's improved our strength. Our kids believe in it. Uh, kids show up after school in what we call the Iron Squad, and they do auxiliary work. Remember, I put extra stuff on the on the board for y'all to come in and work if you did an upper body day, and then you come in and do some other other things, or maybe it might be some military press or some wide bench, uh, uh, wide grip bench, and things of those nature of that nature, necks, so on and so forth even with the power lift and the deadlifts and stuff and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's still the same. It's still just as just as parallel as it can be. It works for us. Our kids believe in it. They see the improvement. Uh when we test them and uh and it's always it's, it's been positive. Really been positive. Now, I'm gonna ask you this. Do you ever remember us running a mile? We run a mile at uh Huntsville from time to time? I, we still do that. I, I was going to say, I know ball. we ran the heck out of some quarters, and I and I yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and the we still run the mile at West Orange Stark, and we've been doing it forever. 
And people ask me, so what that's got what's that got to do with it? Well, if you're a 15, 16 year old athlete and you can't run the mile, and when I say can't run the mile, we ask you to run four laps, run it as hard as you can. If you're a lineman, you got to beat ten. And I ask the backs and ends. I'm talking about the first time we run it. I ask the backs and ends to beat eight. Well, we run it in January. We test at the end of our first phase of all season. If you run a 959 mile uh, in January, I'm going to ask you to run a 958 in uh, in February. So, And if you don't, I'm going to allow you to run again until you do because it's mental toughness is the bottom line with it. And that's the only reason we do that. And that's traditional with the Mus- with the Mustangs. We even uh, we'll even run it on the first day of August the second or third, you know. Uh, and we've got ways that you can get out of your mile, and it has to do with your attendance in the summertime uh, when we're working out. But uh, uh, we have guys come in there, and that's what we ask them to beat their mile. And uh, uh, we've done that for years, and our guys show up in pretty good shape for the most part. And it's been successful for us. You know, now that you're talking about that, I do remember running the mile because I remember those guys over there who weren't allowed to go and do the rest of the workout because they had to go make up their mile. And I, and I, fortunately for me, I, that was never, uh, you know, running a mile wasn't ever an issue for me. Uh, but but that was but but I do remember that now. Now I also remember uh, every day walking out to the practice field. But before we could come out on the practice field, there was a you know, Huntsville was green and white. And so we had a, I think it was an old fire hose that y'all had that stretched out across the entrance of the practice field and it was painted forest green. And we had to stand there and we couldn't start practicing. It was, we, we waited for y'all to tell us where we crossed the green line and started practice. And I know there's a whole, there's a whole explanation behind that. And I don't want to explain, I want to let you do that. No, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. We have the blue line at West Arkansas. We've always had it. I've got a, I still got probably about 50 foot of old fire hose rolled up and uh, stuck back in the storage room. And about every uh, two or three years, we just cut off another piece and paint it. That's what the coaches, that's one thing that coaches make sure the blue line's ready to go uh, at the first of every year. But every practice begins behind the blue line. And the point there, Ty, is, uh, and we got that from Penn State. Now, I've never been to Penn State, but I knew that uh, watching show, watching uh, Penn State shows, but that's what they used to do with Coach Paterno. And I'm upset that I never got to go see him. Uh, but we will tow that blue line. We blow that whistle. That's where we start our warm-up lap. And that is Mustang time. That was Hornet time back then. Leave all that other bull, the girlfriends, all that other stuff behind you. We work football. While we're working football, then it's, it's like I say, it's Hornet time, Mustang time. And when you come back across the line after practice is over, going to the dressing room with limitations, that's your time. We don't want you to go up in the dressing room back in the pool. So, but that is your time to relax and shower to, at the end of the day. So we've got everything done that we want to do that particular day. Another thing I want to mention is traditional. You know, I don't know whether you remember this, but we did certain things on Monday. We were there two years. We've been doing it like this forever at West Orange Park now. And we do certain things on Monday. The kids know exactly. And I won't, and we run the running ropes as a warm-up. The running frame is a warm-up. The linebackers go over and do they, their warm-up. We club up and do a certain tackling drill on Monday. 
and then we work. I probably think that probably the best thing we do with our TNT and our uh, technique period, uh, 30, 45 minutes before at the first of practice, is uh, we'll have a built-in seven, eight-minute session to where we work front seven with just the TNT, no ball, no running backs. And we go over the blocking schemes live right there with the linebackers and TNT. We're working on a trap, and and when I say trap, since we're a 50 defense, it doesn't matter who we play. We're always going to work on the trap in that front seven. Then we work on the counter, counter right, counter left, zone right, zone left, uh, draws. We work uh, fold blocks, you know, uh, uh, tackle out, guard out, tackle under, so on, so on. So we go over all the blocking schemes that they will see that particular week, though. Know? Sweep with both guards pulling. So I think that's the best thing we do. Tuesday, they know we have goal line Tuesday. The only form of defense, a live defense we go, is on the goal line on Tuesday for eight or ten plays. When I say eight or ten, that's the most we ever do. We're going to pick out what you actually do on the goal line and go live with the next bunch at that time, that particular time. And on Wednesdays, we go out on the field after on Wednesdays, and then we – Work on a, a certain a, a certain set uh, uh, a certain uh, offensive lineman. When I say that, we might work out on Monday. We have one on Monday, one or two on Monday. We'll have uh, maybe if you're a multiple set, we have a couple on and maybe trips and what we call bandits with uh, two by two, uh, three by ones. And on Wednesday, we try to put all that together. And if we're making mistakes in alignment and uh, defensive fronts, uh, and when I say defensive fronts, uh, shade, slant, stuff like that, if we're making mistakes in something that we want to tweak and add in that particular week that we uh, pull from our from our little package, then I don't even use it on Friday night. And the kids know what we do on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and all Thursday is the walkthrough. But if, if we're making mistakes on something defensively on Wednesday, I throw it out. I won't even use it on Friday night because I want their reaction to be as natural, full speed as it possibly can be. So we got a regimented workout. I believe if you ask our kids there, and I uh, that that uh, well, we work goal line on on Tuesday. And another thing that I want to say too is we never leave that field house unless we fully clothed in full pads. If the UIL allows us to wear full pads, we got full pads on. After the first three or four days, five days of uh, so-called two-a-days when you start, when they let you start putting on shoulder pads and helmets, and then going to that next week, when they allow you to put full pads on, we full pads. Now, because if I told a kid, well, look, guys, we're going out in uh, shorts and helmets today, they'd look at me like I flipped out. You know, so that's that's been our tradition there. We play in it. I want us protected, and that's what we do. We don't go live, but our thigh pad, we got thigh pads in. We're not going to get any thigh shots, hip pointers, shoulder problems. We are protected because we play in that gear. We're going to practice in it. That was actually my next question because I remember, I remember that that we never ever. I mean, it was not even a, a question. You know, if we're going to be in full pads, you know, sometimes you know, just it's in some places that's that's a question. You know, what are we wearing today? It was never a question, even on Thursdays, the day before a game, always full exactly, pads. exactly. 
Well, Coach, I- I'm curious. You know, being at it as long as you have, are, are there any things? Or I'm, I'm sure there are some things with, with maybe with yourself personally or within your program where you have had to or willingly adapted or changed over the years. You know, to 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 you know maybe try to figure out a way to do something better. You know, you go to clinics all the time. You hear something. So, what are some things maybe that that you're doing now that a younger version of yourself might have disagreed or struggled with? Well, I'm going to go to the administration of our program. In 1984, we we put a set of rules on the wall up there. Number one being no profanity, okay? And that, that board is still on the wall up there, and it was snow white when we put it up there. It's been up there in our field house so long it's practically turned yellow. But uh, uh, I have changed somewhat on the hairstyles. You know, I used to think, you know, uh, but I I used to be against all the different funky hairstyles. But I don't want the kids to tell me. And, of course, I'm at a point now uh, in my life, I ain't got any hair, so it don't matter what hairstyle <laughs> I have. You know, <laughs> But I have less, I have lightened on the hairstyles with our kids. I use the same rule now that I didn't. That I, uh, 20 years ago that it, we didn't uh, enforce, but uh, as long as the, the length of their hair, I use the same rule that the Texas high school coaches uh, use when we had all-star, all-star practices and stuff, that the uh, hair could not extend outside the helmet. And I've got kids that got long hair, but they wrap it up and put it inside the helmet. It's not a problem. I don't have anybody. You, would, you couldn't tell the kids have extra long hair, white or black, no matter, or, or Hispanic, you couldn't tell. They have it, they trim it, and I ask them to, if it's sticking out of the helmet, I got a pair of scissors, but they but they do, they take care of it. It's not a problem. So that's one thing that uh, uh, the administrator of our station of our sport, I've lightened up on, but we do not allow our athletes to wear earrings. We ask them to make a sacrifice uh, and, uh, when they graduate or when they get through with athletics at West Orange Star, they can put an earring in any orifice of their body that they choose to. I don't mind, you know, but uh, as long as they don't uh, wear it in the field house. And I had an athlete, ex-linebacker, walk up there today and ask me, could he use a weight room? And I said, yes, sir, you certainly can. You help build it. And he said, I'll take my earrings out, Coach. I said, thank you. We have college uh athletes that come to see us all the time and they'll stop at the door and take their earrings out because they know uh, the respect of the program. So that's the main thing as far as administration of the program. The things that we've done now, uh, I can't sit there and watch a football game without watching the uh, offensive line, defensive line, linebackers, secondary. So there's many things that we have, uh, and I say many things, that we tweak, you know, because a long time ago we first started, we used to be a flipper, so that flipper. Now we're a head and hands team. We've been like that forever because you can separate better from the defensive line like so, you know. Uh, alignments sometimes have been moved just a little bit. They might not be as tight as they used to be. You know, uh, we may be tighter in some of our coverages than we've been. And, of course, it depends on our opponent. But, no, there's there's been a bunch of things, like I say, I still can't watch a game just for pleasure. I'm always looking and thinking, and I'll sit down there with a pen or a pad, or I'll be 
watching the game, and I'll come running into my desk, and I'll make myself a note so I can draw some things up. Uh, I did that just the other day. I picked up three new plays that I that, that will uh, correlate with our offense and stuff, see if we can't use that somehow in our offense. We don't always put it in, but we're looking for ways to make it better. Just curious, in your opinion, are, are kids different today than they were when you started coaching? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, back then when I first started coaching, you know, kids, if the coach said it, that was Bible. You know, they run through a wall. Nowadays, they'll ask you why. You know, they want to know why. I've got a reason for it. Uh, everything that I do, even if we get down to the point that I said, because I told you so, that's why we're going to do it, you know, exactly. But I always try to give them a reason why we do this, why this is better, so on and so forth. The kids are different. Uh, they're bigger and stronger and they're faster than they used to be. But uh, Ty with the insurgents of the spread offense, I don't know if they're tough. We've had some kids the last uh, four or five years on some of our football teams. But I told them, I, got, I said, guys, we won state championships in the 80s. And the playoffs in the 90s and going uh, uh, to the state championship in 2000, I'm not sure that any of you guys could have started could have started on our varsity uh, because the kids back then were physically, I thought, were physically tougher than they are now. And then uh, I know one year, I can remember in 1989, we had a JV that had nine shutouts in a 10-game season. And our defense and, and our offense couldn't move the ball on those kids. Those were just tough, tough kids, but they had a senior ahead of them on the varsity. And if you're a sophomore or a junior and you're not in the top two spots on the varsity, then I want you playing on the JV. And uh, and we had more kids back then. Back then we had over a thousand, we had 12 to 1500 to where we only have a, we only have about uh, 580, I think now. So we're having to play more sophomores. Than we did back then too, because of our, our, our lack of enrollment. Uh, but uh, you know, if you're a sophomore and you're playing at West Star, you're the best at that position, and that's the bottom line. You're you're the best eleven if you're on the field. What about coaching? Is coaching easier today than it was when you got in? I don't think so, Ty. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't think it. Uh, you out coach anybody anymore. You better now. Back then, when I first started, you know, I thought you could out coach some people. You know, and you go out there and uh, uh, you had a game plan and uh, got that executed. The game was out of control first quarter, and we have some games that that we've got the upper hand in the first half and stuff. But that guy on the other side is still coaching. I've got uh, uh, two or three teams on the schedule on our schedule. I'm sure y'all do that. I enjoy playing those guys. Because you coach for 48 minutes, the uh, legendary uh, Curtis Barbe at Newton. We used to play them. We had them six times, six years in a row in the 90s. They never scored a touchdown on us. We shut them out every time, and that's what he always said. He said, "I'm gonna stay with it till I score or beat y'all." And uh, it never happened. And I, and I had utmost respect for that guy. Because you had to coach uh, versus him for 48 minutes. He run the slot T, and if he could outflank you by one, 
The next play, he was going to have you outflanked by two if you didn't coach, because I've watched him do a bunch of people that way over the years. So uh, nowadays, you got a bunch of uh, coaches, and uh, I know how fortunate I have been, and you're very fortunate to be in a place you've been. I've got friends that went through an entire coaching career, and I say that to say this, they never been in a, a playoff game or never have won a district championship, you know, have never had the opportunity to walk on the uh, floor of AT&T Stadium, and they're a hell of a lot better coach than I am. It's just that I had, I was fortunate enough to have a, a, a better horse in the race than they, they've got, you know. But they will coach. They will coach until that final whistle. And I respect that, walking across the field and shaking hands with them and hugging them that we competed for 48 minutes. Coach, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. There, there is just a ton of great football coaches in this state. And it, it really uh, it can be intimidating, especially, you know, I know you're, you're going to be going to a clinic, uh, speaking at a clinic here in a couple of weeks, and, and we're headed out to a clinic this weekend. And it's always great to be around guys. And, and you know, you kind of can think that you know a lot, and then you go and sit down with somebody. And, uh, and, and, and especially with me doing this podcast, you know, it's just humbling every week when you uh, talk to people and, and, just, and just understand how many great coaches there are out there. And, again, you know, when we're talking about the, the state of Texas and the, and the, the quality of, of coaches we have here, it really is unbelievable. Ty, I've learned, I've learned more on a yellow pad with a pencil in a hotel room at a clinic than I've learned in most places in my career and hemming somebody up and asking some questions. And I always told my boys, you know, I, my oldest one coached with us at, at Huntsville, Marcus did, and I told my boys, and both of them had coached at Crosby at one time, and go talk to the older coaches. Sit down and talk with them. Have something specific to ask them, but sit down and talk to them uh, because they will give you some insight that you're not going to receive from some other coaches with less experience. If they won't talk to you, uh, they you didn't know need to know it anyway. But coaches, if you're not on their schedule, are some of the greatest guys in the state of Texas. I guarantee you. And if I knew I was going into a fight, I want a bunch of coaches behind me. When you when you look, you know, when, when you're talking about you know, how uh, you know it's hard for you to watch a football game for pleasure, and you're always. I know you're a guy that's that a coach that's always even as long as you've been at it, you're still trying to learn and pick up things. And you know, I've been around you at clinics where you're sitting on the front row and taking notes and asking questions. You know, what is it about coaching football that's that's kept that fire burning so hot for you after all these years? It's that challenge. It's that challenge to be better every time you go out there. I'm a guy. I'm a guy, though, Ty. And I'm saying, Ty, you're a grown man, Coach Taylor. I apologize that That's I'm right. a guy that loves the off-season program, the development of the athlete. I love the practices. I'm fired up about going out at practice on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. When I lose that fire in my belly, it's time for me to retire or I die. But I love to do that development, and it culminates with a, a contest on Friday night, and I want to go stand on the sideline and fold my arms and enjoy the game. And that's uh, that's what I love doing is uh, making myself better all the time. Well, I want to spend a little bit of time. You know, this is a defensive line podcast, and I want to spend a little bit of time talking about your defensive front specifically. 
you know, we were the other day talking about talking about nose guards. And I know that, you know, that's the uh, in your defense, that's the centerpiece of your defense. And, and I know that every year uh, that you have to you have to go back and kind of scour your program and be looking for who the kid, who the next the heir apparent, you know, nose guard is going to be. And you're always probably in your middle school looking at potential kids that can play that role for you. So talk about that, that the importance of, of your nose guard and your def- defense and how you go about identifying those kids and what you look for out of that player. I start looking for them in the seventh and eighth grade. When I go down and look at the programs and stuff and watch them play, I want to see, and I kind of relay this to my to my coordinators down there, my coordinator down there, that I'm looking for a hub of the wheels, a guy that can run. He does not necessarily, I don't put any, any size uh, parameters, parameters on them, you know. I don't care if they're little. We do certain things if they're small. If they're big, I want one that can run and get off a block, uh, uh, that has a burning desire to get to the football, and I start looking for them then. Uh, I think I found me a couple here with the in the freshman class. Never played nose guard. Never has. But after every uh, weight workout, I'm going to work with somebody, either defensive line, linebacker, nose guard, some kind of small technique. So I've been working this guy on a zero, and I think zero technique. And with those nose guards, start teaching them. We're a four-point stance. We'll line them up nose to nose, shoe to shoe with that center, and I'll get my center over there. And we'll step and really start teaching him how to play the, how to line up there. And uh, and I'll tell you this, uh, you said something about not giving away your secrets and stuff. No, everybody, I'm going to line up on him. I'd like to be as tight on the ball as we possibly can. If that old center's better than I am, he's a better athlete than I am. He's a war daddy, too. I'm going to back him off the ball as much as 18 inches. That's the most I ever back him off the ball and get him to read. The better he gets, we start crowding the ball. Or depending on what we're doing, if we're slanting or shading on our linemen and stuff, and I teach all this thing to uh, a nose guard. I will allow him to line up anywhere, and we do what we call stem. I don't mind telling you this. I allow him to line up anywhere from a two, uh, two eye, either guard, and when the quarterback comes up and sits down, he'll move to a shade, to an under, to a uh, head up, or he'll uh, move to a head up and slant from there. So we try to move him around, but he's got to be a very intelligent football player. I made this statement that the last five nose guards that we had probably uh, helped him graduate from high school. They weren't great students, but football was their means for them to get their diploma. It helped them in the classroom, and because they were football players, I held that over their head, blah, blah, so on and so forth, and they come back to see me from time to time, and they'll tell you right now, I got through school because of football, but my nose guard is the first guy that I'm looking for. Now, how to identify if he can be a nose guard, too? I do that in the weight room. I'm watching the guys who are power cleaning, who are hand cleaning, who are clean, what we call cleaning squats. Those athletes who can perform those lifts and stuff properly, properly drop down underneath, you know, and rather than rocking right, way back, you know, because those guys who want to walk, rock way back on the power clean and work the bar up their belly, they're offensive linemen. They're not athletic <laughs> enough to be. But, you know, that's true. Yeah, but I'm yeah, looking right. for those guys who can perform those lifts specifically on the power clean, hang clean, 
plated squat. So that's how I start identifying him. Now, what kind of guy is he now? Does he have a burning desire to win? Is he competitive? Uh, we put him in fourth quarter situations all the time. When I say fourth quarter, we come out of that weight room. We're going to run a quarter for time. When I say time, 90 seconds is what I put on the line. Now, you try to quarter 90 seconds. Uh, vaccine is 80 seconds. As the year goes on, we drop that. We drop that time. But if I look up and I got a guy that's a nose guard on a 90-second quarter, and he's back there in the back and can't make a 90-second quarter or just barely making it, he's off my list. He's off my list. So depending on the size of that athlete there, what I do with him. You know, a lot of people say you can't zero up anymore uh, with a 50 defense. I beg to differ. I'll back him up. Yes, he's a two-gap player on straight old country baseball. I work with my linebackers, which is an entire different a different lecture. I work with my linebackers on getting in there and helping him if you get a base block in the A-gaps, okay? But with him, he's a two-gap player only on the base block. If that center, if that center gives me a zone step uh, to my left, that's my gap right there. Somebody else has got that back gap in our scheme now. So uh, I'm looking for a guy who has a burning desire to get to the football, will use his hands, get off a block. I tell him all the time, I said, I'm going to tell you what, I'm an old 72-year-old man. Me and you in a fist fight, I'd beat your face in because you won't use your hands. You're over practicing like you got handcuffs on. Use your hands when you're running, son. And that's how we identify our nose dog. And we've been successful to have some pretty dang good ones. Had a young man named Mandale Turner King. I started him as a freshman. He started there four years. When I spoke at San Angelo a couple of years, I posed this question to everybody. Do you know anybody that has ever started more than 62 high school football games in their career? And I said, I'm talking specifically about our nose guard. Nobody raised, nobody said anything. Well, all the Texas wasn't there, I know. But nobody said anything. Nobody acted. After we're over, please come tell me. If not, I'm going to eat the Amin. Mandale Turner King into the uh, most games played ever. Now, he played equivalent to 70 football games in four years because in our two scrimmages every year, we play a 48-minute football game. Everybody I scrimmage, we kick it off. We play football without a kicking game, meaning that live kicking game. But we play 48 minutes. We put the 12 minutes on the clock, play 48 minutes. I'm not standing out there with the linebackers. I'm on the sideline, and Mandel Turner King, a nose guard, and I'm proud of that, played 70 football games during the course of his career, and I thought that was a phenomenal, phenomenal record, and still do. Oh, no doubt it is, especially for a nose yeah. guard, and I think that yeah. kind of speaks to, you know, the the type of kid that you're looking for there, uh, and, and you, you didn't, I don't know if you said this specifically, but obviously it's, it's sort of, it, it's implied there uh, that they got to be tough because they're going to get banged around in there, and and I think that's that's what you're talking about. You identify that with your, you know, with those fourth quarter situations and being able to see those kids run and 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 uh, you know see how they compete when they're tired and when they're when they're when they're getting you know uh, getting pressed a little bit. So uh, I, I think that's um, that's that's one of those things that you have to be able to identify for that defense because if if that kid if, if there's a problem there, then it's really not it doesn't matter what, much what you got behind them because the defense isn't going to work without that guy. 
You know, I heard a guy say this one time a long time ago, Sai. He said, you know, the guy said, boy, he says, I'm worried about the secondary. And the old defensive line coach said, I'm worried about the first dairy. I don't know what kind of defensive line they've got. And that's true. <laughs> that's true. That's funny. That's true, though. But that guy had been coaching a long time, and I heard him say that in the 70s. So that's very true. Yeah, I'm about to steal that. I like that. I like that. Use that, use that anytime. Use it anytime. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, I want to uh, kind of close out our, 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 our talk here with just asking you sort of some just some miscellaneous questions here, Coach, to kind of let, okay. let let the guys get to know you a little bit. Uh, now, I am uh, friends with your wife on Facebook, and I know you y'all have a very specific game day routine that you like to uh, you like to follow. And so, I want to let you tell everybody about that. Talk to us about game day superstitions and routines for you. <laughs> well, she and I for thirty something years we've been together. We eat the Waffle House. We eat the same thing. We walk into the Waffle House. We go. We get out of our truck. She'll take a picture of she and I with the Waffle House sign behind us. And after we eat, she has all her Waffle House report and all that says game day. But we'll go in, and our waitress orders exactly what we have. I have four cheese eggs, hash browns, uh, sweet tea, uh, toast, and uh, bacon. And she has two egg cheese eggs, and that's what I eat every Friday morning of the game. And then we go uh, our separate ways. And then uh, I'm at the field house there during the course of the day. And, with, of course, we go through our routine if we're home game, blah, blah, so on and so forth. But I have uh, – I put on a new pair of socks every game that I've ever played. I mark them uh, if we're playing Pleasant Grove. I'll put PG on the on those socks, and I have a brand new pair of socks on every every game we've ever played. And I probably got uh, two drawers in there full of socks that I'll never wear. I'll die and still have somebody will have plenty. The Mormon Tabernacle Choir will have plenty of socks in there, but I still got. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just one of my superstitions. Uh, yeah. I normally I normally don't shave. I normally don't shave on game day. And that comes back, that comes back, goes back to being an old uh, uh, baseball catcher because I liked it for my mask and I didn't want it to slide. And so uh, my beard helped grip it. It helped grip. So uh, that's what it's, that's, that's uh, superstitions are privileges now. And uh, the last one I can think of, I'm always walking around in the hall or in the parking lot when I'm going back and forth in the building and stuff on game day looking. It seemed like I always find a penny, heads up penny, and I'll take it and put it in my right shoe. When I do that, I got utmost confidence and I find <laughs> one. That don't, don't always happen, but I got the utmost confidence that we're going to win the game. So those are some unusual superstitions, but we've done it for a long time. Well, Coach, I, I love that. I, I think that's awesome. And, 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 and I even know, I know that, you know, the years when y'all are going to the state championship in, in, in Arlington, that you guys managed to find a Waffle House there, right? Isn't that, that, that correct? Exactly. She'll find, she'll get on there and find a Waffle House. She and I will get up about 4.30 and go. We'll be back there to the hotel and get the kids up. Uh, I can remember we played, I'd have played y'all at 11 or something. And we take them and, and feed them and get, and, and get into the stadium. Because I want to be in the stadium 
two hours before kickoff at the latest, okay? So, yeah, we, everywhere we've been, uh, we was in Palestine. We go. We found a little place we'd go eat breakfast. It was the Denny's. And then uh, we've always eaten at the Waffle House. Or we found us a place that we could eat breakfast on game day. Now, when I was, uh, I remember, I have vivid memories of when I was in high school, walking down to the field house and kind of walking around the, you know, outside, going in that back door there to go in the in the weight room and walking by and seeing you in there working out. And and it was usually you had like you know, maybe 225, 275 on bench press, repping it out or something like that. Do you still, I know you said you're 72 years old. Do you still like to get in the weight room and mix it up a little bit? Or is that something that you're not doing anymore? No, I, I lift every day. I, I throw 225 on the bar the other day and repped it five times in my shoulder. I couldn't hardly comb my hair the next day, but no, I still, I still doing something, you know, I'm doing, uh, uh, I've had four knee operations and, uh, I still work my legs. I still, because I feel good doing it. You know, I go in there and I, I do a little arm work and a little, little press, a little something. So I'm still pivoting, but it's my chance to get away. To get into, I go in the weight room by myself, and I do a lot of thinking in there. So that's my that's my escape there. Just like when I I'm working my cows out here, you know, I get on my side by side, I get over in, in the pasture out there with them, and I'm feeding them, or I'm sitting out there just looking at them and uh, filling up the water uh, troughs. And stuff. So that's my that's my getaway. And uh, when I come home, really tired. One of the best parts of my day is driving up that driveway. Coming up here to this two-story house, and that pasture's on each side. And coming home to my wife because when I get here, if it's not football season or something related to school, I don't care about going nowhere. I want to stay right here, and uh, I'm kind of hiding. But uh, no, I'm, I still enjoy what I'm doing. I got that fire in my belly. The superintendent asked me today how much longer do I think I was going to go. I, he said he said the other day he's going to go five years. I told him five years. So I don't know how much longer I can go, but. I'm going to hang in there, hang in there because I enjoy what I'm doing. Well, you mentioned, and this is going to lead to my next question, you mentioned working your cows. I know you guys, you know, y'all raise Longhorns. So talk about that a little bit. Tell everybody about your, your cattle operation you got going on over there. <laughs> well, I got 25 heads as of this morning. Had a cow, just had a calf, a little white bull this morning. I'm trying to think of a name for it. But, uh, you know, we got, we got, like I say, 25. I got four pastures. And I got some mama cows with calves and one and, and some uh, bulls. That still, it looked like steaks walking around the little bulls that I'm going to butcher over there. So it's not a major operation, but it's a uh, it's a, uh, a hobby. I don't make any money on it. It's a hobby. I've always been impressed with a longhorn breed. He bought me for my 59th birthday a bull and two cows. Both them cows were pregnant then. So I had three that all of a sudden had five. And uh, I've had as many as 27. So I like messing with them, you know, and uh, you got to give them a lot of room at the trough now because every shirt and pair of pants I got's got to tear in it because them horns get, get tear your clothes off, get hooked in your clothes and stuff. But <laughs> they don't mean it, but I enjoy being around them. I, I really do. And, uh, and it goes back to being a boy, following my grandpa around back way years ago. So, uh, and uh, I probably think sometimes I think I probably should have been born in the old west area uh, era, uh that period of time after the civil war to the 1900s but i really like i'm old school i'm old school and when i dress i like to dress western boots and jeans other than school stuff some people don't recognize me 
when I don't have my school stuff on, but uh, that's the old school in me, and I enjoy I enjoy messing with the animals. Well, Coach, we'll get you out of here on this. We got a uh, Super Bowl coming up, and and it's really a really intriguing game. Talk about a guy who who seems like he could maybe go on forever, and that's Tom Brady versus uh, obviously uh, a kid, a Texas kid, East Texas kid, and Patrick Mahomes, who is uh, really taking over. Uh, the NFL and 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 is just doing you know just just unbelievable things each week seems like so who you going with in, in that game Buccaneers with Tom Brady or Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes who you got? Well, I saw Patrick Mahomes play in White House in high school, play Carthage. You beat Carthage one night, and that, he is a magician with that football. And I really do. I like Kansas City, but I tell you now, don't bet against Tom Brady. They're getting better. Tom Brady's getting better, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense is getting better. The only thing I think that uh, Kansas City's got over, uh, other than other than Tom, is they've been there last year, so on and so forth. So I'd hate to pick one, but I'm telling you now, I will not bet against Tom Brady. All right, there you go. Well, Coach, I, I uh, enjoyed it so much, and could, we, we could keep this thing going for a long time, but uh, I, I really – Really appreciate you talking with me, and and want to thank you for you know all that you've done for me, and 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 uh, the influence that you've had on me, and it's it's it really is a blessing to be able to stay in touch with you over the years, and bump into you every now and then, and and really enjoy being able to talk with you tonight. So thank you. Well, Ty, Coach Taylor, I am so proud uh, of the man that you become, uh, the uh, coach that you are, and the family man you are, and. Uh, and that means a lot with guys like you stay in touch with me. And uh, I'm so proud of you, buddy. I love you. And uh, if we go to another clinic together, let's sit down and get out of yellow pad and we'll visit. Okay? Let's do it, Coach. Wow. I, I, I can't say enough about how much I enjoyed getting to talk with Coach T like that. And I'm so appreciative of him for taking some time to 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 share some of his wisdom and insight with us. and. I hope you guys enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. And, you know, if you have a coach in your life who had an impact on you, I would strongly recommend you calling them and checking in on them, thanking them, and, and, and letting them know what they mean to you. There were, uh, you know, just just moments during my my conversation with Coach T that, that I felt those same emotions that I felt when I was 16 or 17-year-old kid, you know, playing for him. And, and I'm just so glad that we now can remain in touch and, and see each other a couple times a year and 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 just and indebted to him for the impact that he had on me and that he continues to have on me uh, even today. Now, not surprisingly, Coach T is not on Twitter or Facebook. He's a low-tech kind of guy. But if you would like to send him an email, you can find that uh, in the show notes of today's episode. Now, we, however, are on Twitter. So give us a follow at KYPD Podcast. And also be sure to give us a five-star rating and leave us a review if you're liking what you're hearing each week here on the show and help us spread the word about our podcast here. Now, remember, you can show your love for KYPD by picking up a Keep Your Pads Down t-shirt, hoodie, even a coffee mug by visiting our podcast merch store, which can be found, again, in the show notes of this episode as well. Also, while you're checking out those show notes, just a reminder, go and check out our sponsors, Go Edit Graphics and Our Coaching Network. You can find that information on both of those outstanding companies in the show notes of this episode as well. So a lot of things going on uh, in today's show notes, so go and check those out. 
Uh, a big thank you to both of those guys, Go Edit Graphics and Our Coaching Network, for sponsoring our podcast here. Our quote of the day, and we're, we're actually going to do two quotes, okay? And both of these quotes are attributed to Coach T. And if you've ever spent any time around him, then you've no doubt heard him use these. So here they are. The first one is, the greatest loss in life is the loss of enthusiasm. And finally, you can't win the Kentucky Derby with a mule. And with that, we'll say goodbye to this episode of KYPD. Be sure to join us back next week for episode number 92. Until then, have a great week. Enjoy the Super Bowl this weekend. And bring the enthusiasm wherever you go this week. And finally, most importantly, what is it, Coach T? Keep your pads down and your feet moving.